0: This is any given Sunday for Sunday, December sixteenth, two thousand and eighteen. I am your host, Manny Brown. It is almost here, Christmas nine days away officially. Um, that's crazy. That's crazy when you think about it. It's nine days away from Christmas. I don't know, man. Two thousand and eighteen has just like flown by. Like it's, it has been one of the fastest years I've ever. Fa- like it just this year just feels like it just flew by. Like it's just been a blur. I don't know. It's crazy. But anyway, it's almost here. Hope everybody had a good uh, uh, good past week, healthy, productive week. Um, hopefully, everybody's getting their Christmas shopping ready, not waiting for the last minute. Um, that's, that's why I'm glad I have my wife. Like if I, if I was single, like nobody, nobody would actually get presents, yo. Cause I'm terrible. First, I'm terrible at buying stuff for people. Cause I, I know what to buy for myself, like what I like, but I'm terrible at identifying what other people would like, might like. And then if like you give me a list, I'm lazy and I'm, I'm a procrastinator. So I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> I'm going to like, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that's at the mall like December 24th running around trying to shop for shit like it's it's crazy like so I'm glad I have my wife my wife has most of her if not all of her christmas shopping done by today <laughs> so it's crazy it's 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 that, see that's why women. See that's why behind every strong man there's a powerful woman. And my wife is a powerful woman. Shout out to her because um, she 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 handles all the Christmas shopping. Like she you know she she keeps me in the loop as what hey baby this is what we got for this person and this is what we got. She may ask for my idea and inputs on certain items like especially for the kids and stuff. But for the most part she takes care of it. So shout out to her. Shout out to all the women out there that do the Christmas shopping in a relationship. That that y'all y'all are the real MVPs but um yeah hopefully everybody got their christmas shopping ready and ready to go um i had a good week until well no really I had, a, I had a good solid week but i have to rant on something and and some people like when i rant and some people love when i start my shows off with a rant i like to i like to kind of build up to the rants i don't like to start the show off angry but i'm angry this week and you know why i'm angry because i'm sitting there last week i'm recording the episode and By the way, thank you for everybody who gave me that wonderful feedback. Everybody would just love the episode last week. Um, People were happy to have me back podcasting, doing what I love. So thank you for all the feedback, all the positive vibes that I've gotten. I mean, we had people texting me, DMing me, love the show, checked out the show. We're glad to have me back. So I appreciate everybody that sent their well wishes and and hit me back up, you know, giving me shout outs and whatnot. I appreciate all, all the love and the feedback that I got. Um. But anyway, <clears throat> I'm sitting there, I just got done podcasting last week's episode and, and I'm sitting there editing and, and I was sitting, sitting there talking to Jet a little bit offline, you know, and I hang up with him and I just continue to go edit the show or whatever. And I get an alert on my phone, you know, Harold Baines was just elected into the, you know, the, uh, baseball hall of fame. And I instantly like, just was just, I had like this blank stare in my face. Like I literally just like, you would have thought, my mother had just passed away or some shit like that. Like I just like had this like this just this lost and confounded look on my face. Like, wait, what? Harold Baines and Lee Smith were just elected into the Hall of Fame? Now, Lee Smith, I'm not gonna kill the Lee Smith induction because I didn't watch a lot of Lee Smith. I'd be I'd sound like a phony. And a fake to sit here and tell you that I I I saw Lee Smith pitch in 1984. I didn't obviously. I wasn't around for that. And even though I'm a baseball fan and I'm a student of the game, I, you know, with relievers, I feel like you have to watch relievers. I feel like you have to watch them pitch. I feel like you have to be in the moment in the time because I don't I don't I hate judging relievers based on statistics. It's really the only position that I I don't think you can really solely judge relievers on like statistics. I know I know everybody loves, especially now in this in this. Saber metrics error where we want to put every, we want to put a stat on everything and we want to, we want to, we want to quantify every little element of what goes into performance and analyzing it. And, 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 and that's what goes into analytics. But I, to me, it's hard with relievers. It really is. To me, relievers, you have to watch them. You have to see them pitch and you have to watch them in big games. Like, I don't think you can, like, I'm not going to grade a reliever on what he does in in, in August. Like I'm just, you know, as opposed to what he does, you know, in a big game in September, like, I don't think it's fair. I don't think that's right to do like, or a big game in October, obviously, or in this case in a world series or like any, any case like that. Like I, I, I can't judge like, you know, Oh, Billy Wagner had these many saves and had a, 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 an ERA of, of 0.19 in games in August. Well, what did he do in big games? Because as a Met fan, he he was terrible in big games. Was terrible in the 2006 NLCS. Um, it always seemed like he blew a big game. Like I so I, I always laugh at people when they try to quantify stats for relievers and like what do they do in big games? That's that's what I that's what I grade relievers on. So I'm not gonna sit here and rant on Lee Smith too much because I, I didn't watch him play. I, I I vaguely remember him the end of his career. Like if I blinked, I missed him. Like. I vaguely remember Lee Smith, so I'm not going to sit here like a phony and sit here and act like I've I've watched Lee Smith pitch inning for inning. I didn't watch him in his prime. I watched him at the end when he was barely hanging on, and I don't even remember much of him. Obviously, I've gone back and watched games that he's pitched in. I've analyzed his stats, and I agree. He's borderline. He is borderline, and I know a lot of that discussion came up You know, when Bruce Tudor made the Hall of Fame because they were peers, they were contemporaries, just like Mariano and, uh, and, Ho- and Hoffman. They were kind of the two big closers at the time. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, this Lee Smith is to get in because now Suter's in and, and whatnot. And I agree, at best, Lee Smith is debatable. The guy that I can't get over is Harold Baines. And I'm sitting there flabbergasted. And I'm like, yo, they really put Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame? Like, I couldn't believe that. Like, Harold Baines? Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame. Like, I, I-, I could not stomach that decision, like I, I've been pissed off about that all week, and I haven't been the only one. Everybody across the nation, national baseball writers, shows, podcasts, everybody's been killing this decision for the most part. I say ninety-five percent of people. I mean, of course, you have your your rebels out there that you know think this is the greatest thing ever, and blah blah blah. But but the majority of folks, the majority of the, the baseball community, has been killing this decision, and if and you feel bad because. From everything you hear and everything that you read, Harold Baines is a well-loved, well-respected guy. Good guy. Solid guy. You know, family man. Well-respected. A lot of people that came across Harold Baines in their careers loved Harold Baines. Well-respected, well-loved teammate. But that's not why you put guys in the Hall of Fame. This is not the Hall of Fame of nice guys. This is not a Hall of Fame of good guys or, or Mother Teresa types. Like this is the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. This acknowledges the careers of extraordinary baseball players that not only transcended the sport with their fame, with their greatness, or had, sus- or had sustained periods of absolute greatness and performance. That's what the Hall of Fame is about. It's not about, oh, this guy was a good guy, or this guy was a well-loved guy, or this guy, you know, you know, fed the homeless. It's not about that. It's not about that. I'm sorry. If it was about that, guys like Tris Speaker wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. So I'm done with this nice guy argument. It's not about that. I get that Harold Baines is well-liked and well-loved, but it's not about that. It's about performance. And there's nowhere in his performance, there's nowhere in his career stat line that, that to me, says Hall of Fame. Nothing, nothing, nothing in there. He never was an MVP. He never finished top 10 in MVP. He never led the league in any kind of offensive category. I think one year he led the league in slugging. That's it. I could tell you a million guys that have been like that, and I hate to rip the guy, but it 's true he's just not worthy he's not worthy and it's bad enough that he got put in the Hall of fame It's the way that they did it is even worse because they have this stupid modern day baseball you know committee, which is this committee that was formed, I think it was last year or two years ago, to basically right the wrongs of the past, you know where this committee comprised of players, owners um I don't know if there's any writers at all in this committee. I know there's players, owners, managers, and other pe- other folks, people around the game, scouts that get together and they basically review the case of uh, of a guy. In this case, Lee Smith, um, you know Harold Baines, and they look at are these guys Hall of Fame, and then they vote them in as a kind of a an honor, you know, an honor, you know, basically vote him into the Hall of Fame basically. They review their stats, review their careers, and say, this guy's worthy of the Hall of Fame. We're going to vote him in. So basically taking guys that the writers shunned, writers didn't vote for, for a myriad of reasons, and review them and give them an opportunity, a second chance to get into the Hall of Fame. The problem with that is that when you have a guy like Harold Baines, you can't have Jerry Reinsdorf, Tony La Russa, Roberto Alomar as members of the panel. You just can't. Like, you can't. Jerry Reinsdorf, of course, owns the Chicago White Sox, Roberto Alomar was a teammate of Harold of Harold Reynolds of Harold Baines in Baltimore, and then you have Tony Yarusa who managed him for years as a White Sox. Like that is a conflict of interest. Like that is biased as fuck. Like come on, you can't have that. Like that that's a sham. That is a fucking mockery. Like what are we doing here? What are we doing here? That's like me going for a job interview at ESPN, and the panel that's interviewing me is my wife, my mom, and my next door neighbor who I play golf with. Like, does anybody not think I'm not gonna get that job? Like, come on, like, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm more upset about that than even Harold Baines, and I'm pretty upset about Harold Baines. But that shit is a joke. That is a joke. They made a mockery of the Hall of Fame. And look, I'm not a fan of the writers because I feel like the writers have agendas when they, when they vote for the Hall of Fame. The National Baseball Writers Association has, many of them have agendas. Many of them. They're humans. They have guys that they had spats with or didn't get along with or, you know, guys that don't vote Albert Bell in because, you know, he was, he was mean to a group of little leaguers when they came, they came out of the clubhouse in 1994. So that's why they didn't vote for Albert Bell. Like, like stuff like that, stupid stuff like that. So I get it. The writers don't do any, any better of a job, but they have been doing it for 60, 70 years. And I'd say 75% of the time they get it right. What you basically just did is, hey, the writers are stupid. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're talking about. Because Harold Bates never got more than 6% of the vote. Harold Bates never got 6% of, more than 6% of the vote. And you need 5% to even stay on the ballot. I don't even know how long he was on the ballot. I think he was on the ballot for maybe a few, like two, three years, and then he fell off. If that, maybe. So what this committee basically just did is, y'all writers don't know what the hell y'all talking about. It was 15 years, over and done. He's out. And that's it. So what we're going to do is we're going to review the careers of guys that played you know, 15 years ago, basically guys that have been out of the game for 15 years or more retired. Cause remember the, you know, the, the writers vote for guys after six years. So these guys have been guys that have been well retired for 15 plus years or so. And we analyze their careers. And what they did was just made a mockery out of it. Like, how the fuck do you put Harold Baines? First of all, you put Harold Baines in the hall of fame and he doesn't deserve it. Look at the numbers. He just does not deserve it. If Harold Baines is a hall of famer, what's Keith Hernandez? Keith Hernandez is 10 times the player that Harold Baines was. If Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer, what's Jeff Kent? Jeff Kent! Jeff Kent can't even sniff support in the Hall of Fame. But but Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame and Jeff Kent isn't? Jeff Kent won an MVP. It's probably, the, you can make the argument, the greatest offensive second baseman of all time. And Jeff Kent can't get in the Hall of Fame? But Harold Baines? Harold Baines? Who, are, who are at best on a really good team, on a really, really good team? Harold Baines is a sixth place hitter. Let's be fair. He's a guy that hit 280, 22 to 23 to 25 home runs, drove in 80 to 90 RBIs, year in and year out. Good, solid players. Very good players. But again, it's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Very Good. It's not the Hall of Very Nice Guys. This is a joke. This is a joke. Now you've just devalued the Hall of Fame because now you've opened the door for mediocre guys, subpar guys, guys that were just average to very good to now get in. Because if I'm Bernie Williams and I'm looking at this like, yo, Harold Baines is in? I definitely got an argument. Bernie Williams was better than Harold Baines. Paul O'Neill was better than Harold Baines. Larry Walker, course Field aside, was better than Harold Baines. Todd Helton, who's the first year guy on, on this upcoming ballot, he's better than Harold Baines. So now what you've done is just that you've opened it up for everybody now. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. How do you you explain Aaron Baines being a Hall of Famer? Again, never won an MVP. Never led led the league in any of the main statistical categories. I don't care about war. I don't care about none of that. Never led the league in home runs. Never hit 30 home runs. He never, ever, ever. And this was a guy that was primarily a DH for his career. Never hit more than 30 home runs. Only drove in 100 RBIs three times. Like, come on. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? This is a joke. This is a joke. Like, like legit. Like, what are we doing here? And again, I hate to kill the guy because everything, everything, everything says that he's a good guy. But again, it's not personal. This is just analyzing the guy's career. And it's messed up that he's he's basically caught up in this controversy storm because everybody's been talking about it. it's probably the biggest story. I mean, we had a basically an under We basically had a bore fest for a winter meetings. There was nothing going on. So this was probably the biggest story talking about this all week. I mean, this is a joke, yo, like this is legit. I'm As a baseball fan, I'm insulted. And you look at the guys that have never never got into I mean, Fred McGriff. Fred McGriff has been on the ballot for years. Fred McGriff was on the ballot for 15 years before he fell off. This opens the door for Fred McGriff. Fred McGriff. And, I, and I've always been kind of in between with Fred McGriff. I can see the arguments for, on both sides. That he isn't a Hall of Famer. That he is a Hall of Famer. I mean, you put a gun to my head, I'd say he's borderline. But now, I mean, Fred, Fred McGriff is a slam dunk to get into the Hall of Fame now. Like... If you put Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame, Fred McGriff has to go. Like, you can't even call yourself a legitimate baseball expert and say that you're going to put Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame and not Fred McGriff. Like, that's, that's just BS. So Matt, Fred McGriff now is definitely on the track to get in now. I don't know when, but he has to. But, I mean, look at the guys that have dale Murphy. For years, everybody argued Dale Murphy. One of the best players in the 1980s. Multiple-time All-Star, one-two-time two time MVP winner. Dale Murphy is Barry Bonds compared to Harold Baines. Don Mattingly, I know Don's career ended short and back injuries sapped him the last six or seven years of his career. But, I mean, you look at Don Mattingly's five to seven dominant years. He was, he, his stats dwarf Harold Baines. And I'm bringing up contemporaries. I'm not going back to the 50s and bringing up guys. I'm not going back to Dick Allen and guys like that. I'm bringing up contemporaries. Guys that played in the same era as Harold Baines. I mean, this is a joke. It's a joke. Who else are we going to put in? Daryl Strawberry? Let's put Daryl. Let's, let's put Strawberry in. Another guy who's better. Even with Drugs. Ellis Burks? We're going to put Ellis Burks in? How about Mo Vaughn? Let's put Mo Vaughn in. Let's put Nomar in. Come on, guys. Like, come on. And again, I hate to defend the writers. I hate to defend the writers. Because the writers have agendas. But, I mean, this this is ridiculous. This is stupid. This is an insult. This is bullshit. And then you look at a guy like Albert Bell. That's the, that's the guy that to me sticks out the most. Albert Bell. If you grew up in the 90s watching baseball like I did, Albert Bell was, he was sick. He was sick. Now I get it. He wasn't the greatest guy in the world. Do I want Albert Bell dating my daughter? Probably not. But it's not about that. It's about what you do on the diamond. And Albert Bell was 40 and 130 year in and year out for 10 straight years. And he retired young and early because of a hip injury. I believe the same hip injury that uh, Bo Jackson had to retire from. The two guys that stand out to me the most are Albert Bell and Jeff Kent. How are those guys not in the Hall of Fame? But Harold Bates is. Harold Bates should buy a ticket to get into the Hall of Fame. Like me, like you, like everybody else. Come on. I mean, this is a joke. This is disgraceful. This is a fucking joke. Oh my God. Like, yo, I've been I've been hot about that topic the entire like I still can't believe. And then I see Tony Larussa in his interview on High Heat the other day, you know, you, you guys argument is based on superficial BS. You know, shut up Tony. Shut up. Great manager, but Tony Larussa I've never liked Tony Lewis. Tony Lewis is that guy that thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. Like he's basically like nobody can dare challenge him. And it's that same weak ass argument that all athletes and coaches and ex-players do. You know, oh, well, I played the game so you don't know anything. So you're not qualified to talk about it. Shut up, shut up. That's their same lame ass argument when they feel defensive that their decision, you know, is getting questioned. They bring up that same ludicrous bullshit theory oh well since you never played you can't you can't talk about whether a guy deserves not to be in the hall of fame or not like this is stupid it's stupid but I mean this is a joke and they've 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 devalued the hall of fame now because now like if you're Larry Walker like yo I, 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 I gotta get into the hall of fame now I'm 10 times the player that this guy is and I and I'm not getting support come on come on who's next Ellis Burks Let's put Jorge out in. Let's put Paul O'Neill in. Let's, let's put Chuck Knoblock in. Let's put Reggie Sanders in. Let's do that. Craig Nettles. It's Craig Nettles. Let's put Craig Nettles in. Come on, man. Guys like Steve Garvey, Keith Hernandez are not in the Hall of Fame, but Harold Reynolds is. Or, I keep calling him Harold Reynolds. I don't know why I want to keep... That's some racist ass shit. Harold Reynolds, Harold Baines. Two black guys. Same Harold. My dad's name was Harold, too. But anyway... But anyway Harold Baines. Two guys that were better than Harold Baines. And they're not in the Hall of Fame. Just think about that. Just think about that as a pure baseball fan. Think about that. Come on, man. I just had to get that off my chest. I had to get that off my chest. Like, I was I was so angry at that. Like, I couldn't believe that these dudes had the audacity to put this man in the Hall of Fame. Like, I just... I. And then it's like, had it been a committee of just totally unbiased guys, like, it'd be one thing. But then on top of that, on top of that, you got Larusa, Reinsdorf, and Alomar. Like, geez, who do you think they're going to vote for? Um, Steve Garvey? No, they're going to vote for their boy. Like, come on, man. Come on. Oh, Oh, man. Anyways. I'm not trying to act like this is a first-time thing, like this has never happened before. Because the Veterans Committee, for the longest time, put in their boys. The Veterans Committee notoriously put in their their buddies, their friends. So so this is not the first time. There's a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame that are undeserving. But, I mean, Harold Baines, he's undeserving from the fact that he just doesn't measure up. He just doesn't measure up. See, what, what people don't understand is when you vote people into the Hall of Fame, you're saying that that person... Deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as the immortals, as the legends that those Hall of Fames were made for. When you put a guy into the Baseball Hall of Fame, you're saying that guy is a legend. That guy deserves to be mentioned with the Barry, with the Babe Ruth's, with the Lou Gehrig's, with the Ted Williams, with the Joe DiMaggio's, the Jimmy Foxes, the Carl Yastrzemski's. The Reggie Jacksons of the world. The Ken Griffies juniors of the world. That's what you're saying. When you put a guy into the basketball Hall of Fame, the basketball Hall of Fame is a terrible example because they put any, anybody into the Hall of Fame, like me. They put me in the Hall of Fame if I spent five minutes in the NBA and I had some kind of positive contribution. they put me in the fucking Hall of Fame. So the basketball Hall of Fame is a terrible example. But... What they miss out in the Hall of Fame in basketball is that if you put a guy into the basketball hall of fame, you're saying that he deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as a Jordan, as a bird, as a as a magic, as a as a Kareem, as a Bill Russell, as a as a George Mikan, as a koozie. You can't do that. If Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer, then what's what's Ken Griffey Jr.? If Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer, then who's next? Bernie Williams? Alice Burks? I keep bringing those guys up because those are comparable guys. Ugh. I'll get off this. I'll get off this because, again, I could talk about this shit all day because it really, it really pissed me off. Like I, don't, I, I haven't been this mad about a Hall of Fame induction since they... Since they, since the writers basically did my man Mike wrong for three, four years on false narratives and false innuendos, they kept Mike Piazza out of the Hall of Fame on the first ballot when everybody knew he should have been a, fall, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Or because some ex-teammates, you know, in the minor leagues, who didn't say anything for his entire career, but once he was up for Hall of Fame induction, oh well, I saw Mike inject himself. Never name never enough names. Never put their name to any kind of any kind of statement, but they just made statements about him, or that you know, Maury Chaz saw acne on his back, so of course he did steroids. I, I've never been that much outraged since. I haven't been this much this much outraged since then. But this is just this is just a joke. Like, come on, this is a joke. Harold Baines, really? All right, I'm gonna get off of it. I'm gonna get off of it. It's a Christmas time. It's the Christmas time of year. I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be positive. I'm not trying to be mean, Manny. I'm trying to be nice, Manny. So I'm gonna get off of it. Hey, if 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 there was a Hall of Fame for very good players for 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 if there was a Hall of Fame for very good players and even nicer people, Harold Baines would be the first person I think of. But unfortunately, or fortunately, this Hall of Fame is not for people like that. This Hall of Fame is for the greats. And sometimes shitty people are gonna get into the Hall of Fame because they were great. It is what it is. Winter meetings were were kinda whack. It's just kinda anticlimactic. Nothing really going on in the winter meetings. I mean, this was probably the most boring winter meetings you know, since the winter meetings started becoming a thing. I mean, they had been around for for years, but the winter meetings really started becoming a thing. Kind of this really, you know, that I remember it being like a big thing was, you know, sometime around 08, 09. That's when really, you know, when the winter meetings really started becoming like a big thing. Like if you were a baseball fan, like you were paying attention, you know, intensely to the winter meetings, to the happenings of what's going on or whatever. Um, and this must be like the most boring. I mean, even last year through the notorious freeze-out of, of free agents, like you still had shit going on in the winter meetings. This year, I mean, it was just nothing. I mean, the most the most noticeable, the biggest highlight of the winter meetings this year was the, the three-team trade between the Mariners and the Indians and the Braves. That's it. I mean, a lot of rumors, a lot of innuendos. The Mets are hot and heavy over JT Riomuto. Look, I like Riomuto. I don't mind the Mets trying to trade for him, but to me, you can't give the Marlins Nemo and Conforto for JT Riamuto. I hate those trades. That's robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like, I, what exactly are you accomplishing? Okay, we get JT Riamuto, but you weaken your outfield and trade two of your your two young core players for Riamuto. Like, what does that really accomplish? You fill one spot. But then, basically, you weaken two other spots. So, so I, I I don't understand those trades. I never do. And I'm and I and I don't buy that the Mets would give up Nimo and Conforto. I'm just not buying. I, to me, that's that's an overpay. That's an overpay. And, and what's and what purpose does that serve the Marlins? Because Conforto's closer to arbitration than than, than even Riamuto is. So why would the Marlins want Conforto? One of the reasons they would they would even entertain getting rid of Ramuto was is because he's got three years of control. So I I don't understand that. And what does Brandon Nimmo do for the Marlins? He doesn't do anything for them. He's more honestly he's more useful for the Mets than he is for for the Marlins. Now, if you're telling me right now that I could send her a package around Ahmed Rosario for for Real Muto, I make that trade in a in a minute in a heartbeat. You want to tell me a package of... And I'm not saying this will get it done. For all I know, the the Marlins will hang up the phone. But if you're telling me right now that a package centered around Ahmed Rosario, uh, David Peterson, maybe a couple of lower-level prospects, I'd make that trade. I'd make that trade. I'm not sold on Rosario. I'm still waiting to see on... I have a wait-and-see approach on Rosario, but so far, I'm just not sold on him. I am just not... I wasn't sold on Dominic Smith either but I'm just not sold on Rosario. I haven't seen enough. I, I've seen flashes just like any other Met fan, but I haven't seen that consistency on a week in week out basis where I, I think that, 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 you know, Ahmed Rosario is going to be much of anything. I, you know, and I like Rosario. I, I still, I would like to see him become that player. I haven't seen much of it yet. I'm not sold on it, but I'm not, I'm not advocating for the Mets to trade him. But if you're telling me right now, I can get real Muto by trading Ahmed Rosario, I'm making that trade. I don't buy the Syndergaard thing, but the Mets are not trading Noah Syndergaard to the Yankees. If they do that, I mean, they yo, I, I, I've never had a point in my life where I would, stop being a, I, I would stop being a Met fan there. If the Mets ever traded one of their franchise pieces, their core pieces, young, controllable piece at that, to the Yankees, then at that point, why be a Met fan? Because you just handed the Yankees a superstar pitcher in his prime, 26 years Who hasn't even scratched the surface? Of being great, he's good now, and he hasn't even he hasn't even figured it all out yet. So I don't buy. I, I don't buy that. I think a lot of that is rumors and innuendos. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't buy that. I really don't. But I mean, you know, there was other things that happened um, right before we got to the winter meetings last weekend. You had uh, Goldschmidt traded to the Cardinals. I mean, yeah, little moves. Uh, the biggest thing I would say the biggest thing was the three chain trade and Tila being cut. And walking away with 38 million in a bag. That was probably the biggest thing. Of course, Machado and, and, and Harper are unsigned. I mean, they're not going to sign till. I mean, they might sign February. You know, Bryce Harper's not signed at any time. And, you know, Harper's going to sign sometime in January. I would think Machado's probably going to wait for Harper to sign first. That's just how these things go. Um, but none of the big free agents have moved just yet. I mean, none of the two big free agents have moved just yet. So, you know, Keiko's still out there. We're still waiting for a decision on him. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, the winter meetings were a little bit of a letdown for me. You know, a little bit of a letdown. Nothing really went on. There wasn't that juicy. It wasn't even that, like, big trade that, I mean, the biggest trade so far of the offseason has been the the, the Mets Mariners trade. And that happened, what, a week before the winter meeting? So, you know, the winter meetings were a little bit of a letdown. But, yeah, no. I think you'll hear some activity. I do think you'll see something big happen before the year's over. I, I, I maybe not. A, I don't. I don't. I don't see Machado or Harper signing before the year's over. But I do see maybe another trade coming, another big trade coming. We'll see. Um, I can see Riamuto getting traded before the year's over. I can see a big Riamuto trade happening before then. Um, a lot of talks that the Mariners are going to flip, uh, Edward Encarnacion somewhere else. I can't see where he's going. I mean, maybe Tampa, Tampa looks like they're making a lot of moves, although they're, they're also said they'd be interested in, in, in Nelson Cruz. So it's all about whether Tampa wants to trade for Edward Encarnacion and give up some prospects or, you know, basically sign Nelson Cruz. Um, so we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of balls still in play, but as far as this past week, uh. The winter meetings left a lot to be desired. Um, that's it on baseball. Um, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and I'm going to talk about some other things and then we'll wrap the show up. righty, Stay tuned. You are listening to Any Given Sunday, a Sunday morning sports conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and all other podcasting services. Follow us on Facebook at any given Sunday, on Twitter at AGS Pod, and on Instagram at AGS Podcast. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about Philip Rivers. And, you know, it, it, it hit me on Thursday night, and I'm sure it hit a lot of people. On Thursday night after watching that amazing comeback he had against the Chiefs. Um, in the end, granted, the officiating in that game was absolutely fucking dog shit and terrible. I mean, uh, these, I mean, what else can you say about these NFL officials? Uh, some of the times I, I really wonder sometimes, like, are, think, are they watching the same game that we are watching? I, I mean, I, it's hard. It, uh, yeah. I don't even want to rant on the officials. I ranted enough about Harold Baines. I don't want to rant about the officials. So the officials helped that game out a lot. I mean, some of the penalties they called in that game were just amazing. Amazing that they called those penalties. Um, anyway, that being said, it hit me, you know, as we we got to the end of that game, you know, we watched that comeback and Phillip Rivers do what he did. Um How underappreciated and underrated Phillip Rivers has been in his entire career? Like, when you think about Phillip Rivers and his career and all the things that he's done and all the things that he's accomplished, how underappreciated, how underrated he's been. Like, has there ever been another quarterback as consistently great as Phillip Rivers that just doesn't get the attention that he deserves? Like, I can't—at least in in the time that I've been watching football— you know, I can't remember another guy that just has been this good, this great, this consistent, this dominant statistically, for years and years on end, yet doesn't get the, the attention or the acclaim. And I get the reasons why he's played in San Diego's entire career. Well, you know, now they're in LA, but, but he played in San Diego for his entirety of his career, a nomadic franchise, a franchise that's, you know, not it's just kind of it's just there you know it's just like it's one of those franchises just there like they're not a big time franchise let's just put it that way so i i get and you know san diego you know i i think in a lot of ways he was in the shadows of eli manning and ben roethlisberger the other two quarterbacks in his draft class so i think that's contributed to it um He's not as good as Rothersberger, he's never been but this but the, the parallels have always been there between him and Eli and of course they were traded for each other famously in 04. so there's always been parallels between the two guys and constant compare you know comparisons between the two guys and I've always argued I don't get the comparisons I don't get why people you know I get the comparisons but I just don't understand how some people still to this day, and a lot of it is New York based. You know, I'm from New York, so I listen to a lot of New York sports radio. I know giant fans like the back of my hand. I have fam- giant fans in my family, and a lot of them are Eli guys. And a lot of them argue that Eli is better than 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 Philip Rivers. And I've just never, ever, ever have understood that argument. Like, w- w- what what facts <laughs> constitute that argument? The only thing that you have that you could put up there that that even even closely. Closely validates that that opinion is the Super Bowl rings. Eli has two championships, and and Philip Rivers unfortunately has none. Now I would argue that's not all Philip Rivers' fault. I mean, you also have to look at the situations, and I'm and you guys know how big I am on championships, especially for the quarterback. So I get that. I, I'm not going to take that away from Eli Manning. But what I will say is Philip Rivers never played with a dominant defense the way Eli Manning played with with the Giants, especially the first Super Bowl. The second Super Bowl, while they were good, they weren't as great. That defensive line wasn't as good as in 07 in, you know, in 2011. So that, that I will say that. But nonetheless, Eli Manning hasn't played with that level, or Phillip Rivers has not played with that level of defense ever, ever. Now, some will say, well, Phillip Rivers had LaDainian Thomas and Antonio Gates, and Eli Manning hasn't had those guys. And while that's true, when Eli Manning was winning Super Bowls, there was there wasn't another offensive, te- you know, offensive player that was even close to the level of LaDainian Tomlinson or Antonio Gates. I will agree with that, but the defense just wasn't there. And look and then also look at the coach. For a lot of for a lot of his career, Phillip Rivers has had mediocre head coaches. He had Schottenheimer for what two years? Or no, one year really. Was it two years or one year? he had, had Shot for one for two years. He had Shot for two years. And then he's had Nor he had Norv Turner for four or five years. And then after that, he had, I forgot the guy, you know, he had a he had uh uh McCoy, you know, that used to be the offensive coordinator for the for the Broncos. He had him for a couple years and he was a disaster. Now he's had Anthony Lynn. Now I actually like Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn showed me a lot on Thursday night, he's a big time coach ballsy call. I like Anthony Lynn. I have actually Anthony Lynn has grown on me. I didn't I didn't really get the hire. Um but, you know, Anthony Lynn has definitely grown on me over the last couple of years. But other than that like you know, so Anthony Lynn may be something, but Eli Manning, you know, but Philip Rivers for the most part has had mediocre head coaches his entire career. So look at look at what we're weighing the two guys against. Eli Manning had a better coach. Eli Manning for the entirety or the majority of his career, Tom Coughlin was his head coach. A very good to great head coach, borderline Hall of Fame coach. A good infrastructure around him, good ownership, that counts for something. You know, people like to think that that doesn't count for something. The organizational structure, the infrastructure of the organization, the stability of an organization, that counts for something. San Diego's, there was always rumors about San Diego and the stadium situation and them, whether they were going to stay long term and the Spanos. And the Spanos are not exactly, you know, the Spanos are not exactly uh, known for their stewardship of their franchise. The Spanos are not great owners. Never been. Never been. So that counts for something. They have the Mara family with Eli, one of the founding families of the NFL, and you have Spanos. <laughs> I, really no comparison. And people like to think that that doesn't count for something. It does. It absolutely does. You have the coach Eli Manning. Borderline head, borderline Hall of Fame head coach. Hall of Fame defense, good offensive line, strong running game. All requisites to being a championship level player and a, and a, being a part of a championship level franchise. And then you look at Phil Rivers. Yes, well, Danny and Tomlinson for about four or five years at his prime of his prime. Antonio Gates the entirety of his career. Although the last couple of years, Antonio Gates hasn't been the same guy. Obviously, he's gotten older; he's, he's on his last legs. But he had Antonio Gates for the majority of his prime years. That's about it. He's never had a great offensive line. He's never had a great defense. Although now, recently, last year or two, his defense has come around with Bosa and all the guys that they picked up, and, and they've built, you know, they built that defense up. Look at the entirety of their careers. Oh, of course you want to tell me Keenan Allen. Yeah, Keenan Allen's a very good receiver recently. But I just I I don't I don't know what evidence is there to say that Eli Manning was a better quarterback than Philip Rivers. If you're just if you're just looking at the championships, I think that's a flawed argument. I really do. I really do. Because can any Giant fan with with, with some level of assured ability tell me that Phillip Rivers wouldn't have won those championships? If he was on the Giants and Eli was on, a, I, I can tell you that I don't think Eli Manning would have had the same level of success in San Diego that Philip Rivers had. I, I don't, I don't believe that. Now I know I'm a little biased when it comes to this topic because I am a Giant hater and I've and I'm, I've just never understood the love affair with Eli. I've always felt like he's been overrated for his entire career. I've said, Eli's a very, I've said Eli's a very good quarterback, but I just feel like he's overrated. I feel like people make him great because of his last name and because he's had moments of brilliance. And statistically, he's put up some good stats, some gaudy stats, really, when you think about it. But the problem with Eli is that he's erratic. Eli's erratic from Eli's erratic from quarter to quarter. So he's definitely erratic from game to game and season to season. I mean, Eli's had seasons where he's, you know, he's had 4,000 yards and he's thrown 30 touchdowns, seven picks. And then he's had seasons where he's led the league in interception and he's just been terrible. So Eli's, Eli's a hard player to really judge and read. He really is. But when you look at Phillip Rivers, you look at the model of consistency, he's durable, never gets hurt, never gets hurt. And he's just been consistently great for a period of, of years. He's not as good as Rodgers. He's not as good as Roethlisberger. He's obviously he's not, I mean, it's not even need to bring up Tom Brady. He's not as good as him. And he's not as good as Roethlisberger or Breeze. He's not as good as the Big Four. The Big Four, Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, and Roethlisberger. He's not as good as them. And when Manning was in his prime, he was not, he was not as good as Manning. He was not as good as those five guys. But after those five guys, he was just as good. Just as good as anybody else. I've always argued, I've always put him as my sixth best quarterback in the NFL. And he's done nothing this year to change that. And right now, if you're looking at MVP candidates, I think I think it's a three, I think it's a three man race. I think it's between him, Breeze, obviously, and Mahomes. Breeze is the leader. I would say Breeze is the leader. But if I had a second choice, I would say I would say Rivers right now. I would say Rivers. And I think the Chiefs are in trouble. You know, to transition a little bit out of out of the Phil Rivers talk, but I think the Chiefs are in trouble. They're not the same team without Kareem Hunt. Um you know, I th- I think not a lot of you know. Obviously, we all talked about the Kareem Hunt situation in the video and all that, and the the, the controversy surrounding it. But I think I don't think a lot of attention was paid to the impact that that was going to have on that football team. I mean, Kareem Hunt is a hell of a running back. That's a great running back. And you replace Kareem Hunt with Charcandrick West and Spencer Ware. Those guys are not as good as Kareem Hunt. They're just not. They're good, solid running backs. But they're not. They're not Kareem Hunt. And I think Kareem Hunt, what he did was he opened up everything for that offense. He allowed Mahomes to to see the field even better. When you have a running back the level of Kareem Hunt, he just opens your offense offense exponentially. Because the threat of the run, the threat of the play action, the threat of Kareem Hunt. And not only that, but he's also a pass-catching threat himself out of the backfield. So Kareem Hunt was a huge loss for Kansas City. And they're not the same. And their defense is not great. I kept hearing all year about Eric Eric Berry. Eric Berry. As soon as they get Eric Berry back, as soon as they get Eric Berry back, I don't think that defense is that great. I think the Chiefs are in trouble. They dominated. They dominated for this entire season, and somehow, some way, now they're still tied with San Diego, and I that would, and they still have to go to Seattle. That's not going to be an easy game. Kansas City could be in, you know, could be playing on wild card. On wild card weekend. And who would have thought that just two, three weeks ago? Who would have thought that? Here we were debating whether Kansas City was going to get the top overall seed in the AFC. And they're one loss away, and San Diego winning out from basically, you know, basically playing, you know, on wild card Sunday or wild card Saturday. So I think the Chiefs are in a huge situation right now. a tricky situation for the Chiefs. Other than that, um, nothing going on in the slate of games today. That's much of a surprise. The Ravens are beating the Buccaneers. The Colts are handling the, the Cowboys. The Cowboys came to came down to earth a little bit today. Um, you know the NFC Wild Card races are just kind of still. You know, there's nothing really going on in the any in, um, in the NFC playoff race. Really, I mean, you've got really it's. Really, the only thing that really is, really is left to be decided, honestly, is who's going to get the top seed. I think New Orleans right now is the number one seed. Um, LA's the number two seed. I, I can't see that changing much. Um, now, if the Rams win out and the Saints lose one of those games to Carolina, definitely then I can see that happening. I can see LA retaking the top spot. But that that's really the only thing that's kind of up for grabs right now. You know... Oh, and the, the, NFC Nor- the NFC East is pretty much one out. You know, the Redskins suck. The Giants are not going to do anything. The Cowboys are going to win that division. The Eagles are done. They're going to win that division. And now that Wentz is hurt, yeah, the Eagles are done. So the Cowboys are going to win that division. Um, NFC South, obviously the Saints have that wrapped up. NFC West, obviously the Rams have that wrapped up. You know, the NFC North, um, Chicago is going to win that division unless they just completely fall flat on their faces. They're not. They're beating the Packers today. So, you know, so they're going to win that division. And then the two wildcard races. I mean, Seattle, to me, I think is comfortable in the fifth seed. Like it would take something catastrophic for Seattle to not make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, and then the sixth seed, I, I think it just comes down. To, if Minnesota just hangs on, I think Minnesota is going to win. Um, you know, they're winning today, um, I can't see Minnesota Maybe Minnesota could, could trip up in the next couple games, but I I, I see Minnesota keeping that six wild cards, wild card spot. And then after that, um, you know, in the AFC, you know, the AFC's got a little bit more of interest right now because, you know, there's three teams really for, for the top two spots. I mean, Houston's in contention. Obviously, the Patriots are in the contention. And then... One of the Chiefs or the or the Chargers are in contention for that top spot in the in the AFC playoffs and you know those top two seeds. Right now, if I had to guess, I would say, I would say the winner. You know, whoever be, whoever wins out between Chiefs and and the Chargers and I would say, man, because the Texans are still there, the Patriots still have a chance. I think if the Patriots win today, I think they're gonna get the two seed. I think if the Patriots win today, I think they get the two seed. I think if the Patriots lose today, and I think Houston's gonna finish with the top seed, with the second seed. That's what I would say about that. Um, the AFC North is up for grabs because obviously you have Baltimore winning today. They're beating the Bucks. And if the Steelers lose, then they're tied. So yeah, I mean the AFC North is still up for grabs. Um AFC South is pretty much wrapped up. The AFC East obviously is pretty much wrapped out. Um AFC West is still up for grabs obviously. So really it's got the AFC North and then the two wild card spots. Um the two wild card spots are going to come down to, you know, obviously you've got the Ravens still alive, the Steelers still alive, you know, still in the mix, the Colts, the Titans. So the AFC playoff picture is a little, has more of the interest right now because there's a little, you know, there's a little chaos in the seedings and who's going to get what. And you know, the Chargers could end up being the top seed, or they can end up being the fifth seed. Same thing with the Chiefs. You know, the, the Patriots could be the second seed. Hell, the Patriots could even end up still with the. They still have an outside chance, outside chance to end up with the one seed. They could be. They could go anywhere from being the one seed to the third seed. And Houston could be the top seed. Really, they they still have an outside chance of getting the top seed, or you know, being the third seed. So. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot more interest in the AFC side of things as far as the playoff picture goes. than than the NFC, the NFC is pretty much wrapped up for the most part. Um, I mean, what can you say about the Steelers? I mean, the Steelers, they have like if they've if you've ever had a must win game in December for the Steelers, this is the game. I mean, they for two things. Obviously, their playoff lives are on the balance right now. They cannot be tied with Baltimore. To, as well as you know, think about it. Think about it. A couple weeks ago, when they won that that amazing game in in Jacksonville, when they won that amazing game in Jacksonville, think about it. Then, did you ever think that they'd be in the situation? You know, they they were seven in, you know they were seven three and one. You know, or they were seven two and one or something like that. You know, they had just one out. Oh, an incredible game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a game that really should have lost. And then they've lost three straight and they've allowed the Ravens to, to feel like they're going to win the division or they can actually win the division. So, and even the Browns, even the Browns have an outside shot. Now I don't think the Browns are going to make the playoffs, obviously, but even the Browns have an outside shot. So um, it's crazy when you think about it, man, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. When you think about it, the downfall of the Steelers and if the Steelers blow if the Steelers blow this lead in this division and somehow they don't even make if they don't make the playoffs, then I don't know how you can't argue firing Mike Tomlin at this point. Like, and again, I've been a Tomlin defender forever, but I mean, it's getting harder and harder to defend Tomlin. It's getting harder and harder to defend him. I mean, you know, this was the year that he was going to shut up a lot of haters. You know, they were seven, two, and one. They looked like they were on their way to having at the very, at the very worst, having the three seed, and now they're in a situation where they could easily, easily not make the playoffs. And if they don't make the playoffs, it's over. It's over. It has to be over for Tomlin because, I mean, how do you justify that? How do you justify that collapse? Now, I know it's Pittsburgh and they never fire coaches. I get it, but it's getting harder and harder to defend Mike Tomlin. Let's just put it that way. So they've got to win today. And then they never beat the Patriots. That's the, other, that's the other aspect of it. They never, ever beat the Patriots. Never beat the Patriots. So it's a two-fold thing for them. They need to, they need to keep their player hopes alive. And, and they need to beat the Patriots in a big game. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Steelers do today. I'm very intrigued to see what the Steelers do. The Steelers better come out today and play their best football game they've played all year. That'll show me a lot about the Steelers today. If they come out and they play, and they and look, they may play their best game and still lose because it's the Patriots. So they may play their best game and still lose. So there's no guarantees there, but the Steelers have to win this game. This is a must win, must win for the Steelers. Must win. That's pretty much it, man. I mean, nothing really else going on in the NFL. Nothing of of, of any real circumstance or note. Um, a lot of rumors that Ron Rivera may be out if the if the Panthers don't make the playoffs. I I I don't know. I don't see that one. You know, I don't see that one. I know that was a that's been a pretty big collapse as well. You know, you know, during the middle of the season, they were like six and two. There were they were a runaway to be in the playoffs and now they're in a situation where they're on the outside looking in and they, they could possibly not even make the playoffs. So I know that that's a situation that would warrant it. I just don't see them making a change there. I really don't. I think they like Rivera. I think they like the stability there. I know they have a new owner and he may want to look to make a splash or he may want to bring, 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 bring in a guy that you know he may want to bring in. But I don't see that. I don't see that with Ron Rivera. I just don't. Um, I don't. But outside of that, I mean, just waiting for the season to wrap up. And... You know, in my case, waiting to see when Todd Bowles gets fired so we can get a competent head coach, a competent professional head coach and not the jackass that is Todd Helton or Todd Helton. (laughs) I got still baseball fame in my mind. Uh, Todd Bowles on my, uh, you know, Todd Bowles is. So we'll see. We'll see. But that's kind of my recap and my rundown on the NFL and just, man, how underrated and how underappreciated Phil Rivers has been his entire career. Think about that. Has there ever been a quarterback, the level of greatness that that Phillip Rivers has had that's been just underappreciated and undervalued? Anyways, we're going to take one uh, one last break and then I'll be back to wrap the show up. Stay tuned. Yo, what's up everybody? If you're a real fan of any given Sunday, then you have to become a member of our exclusive Facebook page, AGS Nation. AGS Nation is a special Facebook group page where real fans of the podcast can connect with me and other hardcore sports fans. Now I must warn you, anything goes on this page. Guys post the funniest, most thought-provoking, and sometimes even offensive posts, memes, in the sports universe. So if you're A little bit of weak at heart, do not join this page. But if you're a real hardcore fan of the show, join me, connect with me directly on AGS Nation. Don't hesitate, but beware. It goes down in AGS Nation. Peace out. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I know I said this at the beginning. I just want to reiterate it again. Um, Thank you for everybody who checked out last week's episode, uh, debut episode, uh, rebranded episode relaunch, reboot, whatever you want to call it. Um, got so much positive feedback from that show, man. Um, a lot of people checked it out. A lot of people gave me their input and um, we're happy to have us back, happy to have me back podcasting. So I um, just want to say thank you to everybody who messaged me, DM me, um, shared, retweeted everything. I got a lot of fi- feedback from that show for real. So so want to say thank you to everybody that did that. And everybody, of course, who listened and subscribed. Um, as always, if you like the show and you like what we're doing and like what we're bringing to the table here, um, drop us a review on iTunes, man. It's so important important that we get those reviews on iTunes. Um, that's that's the lifeblood of, of these shows, man. Um, the more reviews, the more positive reviews that we get, um, the more popular the show becomes, the more um, attention that the show gets, and, and the higher up in the rankings the show can go. So um, if you like what we're doing, if you like what we're, what we're bringing to the table week in and week out, I know it's only been two weeks for the new show. But you know, just going back to TFP days. If you like what we're doing, we like what we're bringing to the table. Um, you know, drop us a review on iTunes, man. It would so, 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 so much be appreciated if you did. If you guys did that, so uh, drop us a review on iTunes, and uh, that will definitely be a, a big help for us. Um, as always, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. I'm happy to announce we're also on Spotify now. So. We're basically everywhere, man. Anywhere where you could get podcasts for free, we're there. So check us out. Um, you can also follow the show on Twitter at AGS Pod, on Instagram, AGS Podcast. And also follow me, The Manual Brown, on Twitter and Instagram. So as always, just thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for supporting the show. Um, I say this every week, and I know you guys are probably tired of hearing it, but I will never stop saying this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Without you guys, there is no podcast. I don't care how brilliant you think you are, how wonderful you think your voice is, how knowledgeable you think you are. It does not matter if you do not have an audience that supports you. You are nothing. And your show is you you might as well just be talking to yourself. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who subscribes, who listens, who supports the show constantly week in and week out. Um, I can honestly say there would not be a show without you. Um, So now that we got that out of the way, um, hope everybody has a happy, blessed week. I do have a guest lined up for next week so that you guys don't have to listen to me talk for a whole hour. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure I bored you guys to tears. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe. So a lot of people like me when I'm just solo dolo. So a lot of people like the solo dolo shows. But I do have a guest lined up for this week. Um, Don't want to announce it yet. Just want to make sure I confirm everything before I do. But we will be back next week with a guest. Um, I will announce it sometime throughout the week on Twitter. But um, hopefully everybody has a happy, safe rest of their week. Get that Christmas shopping done before the last couple days. So it's going to be hectic, especially this weekend. Everybody rushing out to get Christmas gifts. But uh, yeah, man, have a happy, healthy, safe rest of you guys this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Until then, peace out.